Well, good morning, y'all. I'm an alcoholic. My name's Dick. I ain't a real great, strong believer in anonymity in here. If you go wandering down the streets of Cody telling everybody who I am, I am a strong believer in anonymity. There's one thing i got to get cleared up right off the get-go. Ron was dishonest with you. He said that uh, this was to be your next speaker. I ain't no speaker. If you come in here expecting to hear a speaker, go on back out and have pour a cup of coffee. Cause I ain't no speaker. I'm just drunk. I'm just here to share my deal with you. And it's my deal. It may not be your deal. You got your deal, I got mine. You know. That's the way it goes. Now there's uh, something else I need to tell you. Is kind of like my friend John, I'm rather opinionated. Some of what you hear up here, you're not going to like, you're not going to agree with, but hopefully you can kind of reconcile it with the big book and with Alcoholics Anonymous. But remember I said, this is my deal. This is the way I do this. You don't have to do it this way. In fact, I would recommend probably that you don't. <laughs> what you got here is the result the direct result of three things. Old age, alcoholism, and the double A. And that's what you got. I'm 66 years old, which qualifies me for an old man. I draw social security. When it comes to alcoholism, uh... I took my first drink when I was three years old. I can remember that really, really well. Tell you right now, I enjoyed the taste of it. I enjoyed the effect of it. That never left. I would imagine right today, if you were to take my favorite drink, which I'm going to have to have a glass of water after this. <laughs> which is a tall glass, put a double shot of EO in it, some 7-Up, and right in the top, just a shot of squirt. And all the bartenders in Mile City, Montana, knew when I wanted to drink, they knew exactly how to fix it. It still tastes good, and I would still get an effect. Now, there's another thing i got to tell you. Uh, I never have the vaguest, foggiest idea what I'm going to say when I get behind one of these things. So whatever is going to happen here is going to come as just as much of a shock to me as it is to you. <laughs> and I'm an old man and I wander around back and forth and I'm liable to say anything. You know, I'll be off here and then I'll come back here. Have, you know, the thing you're going to learn here this morning is patience and tolerance. <laughs> Things like that. Okay, I took that first drink. I'm going to give you a really uh, a deal here, a drunk log. Took my last one somewhere around when I was 44. Uh, that's it. You know something? I don't believe a whole lot in drunk logs. And that's a shame because I have got a really colorful one. <laughs> I mean, man, it is unreal. Uh, I done stuff that uh, ah, just blow your mind. You know, the funny thing, I remember one time hearing this, this person, and there's nothing wrong with this. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm a very spiritual person. I say this with great love and tolerance. This person got up and said right from the get-go I was a blackout drunk. And then proceeded to tell the most elaborate story. And I thought, my God, I, I blacked out a few times, but I always had to ask somebody what happened. 
And I'm not sure they told me the truth, you know. If you want to hear my drunk log, you're probably better off to go ask Melody. She was there. Or if you want to really hear the good parts of it, go ask my first wife. <laughs> if she ever comes to AA, every woman in here will go out and take one more drink because they will figure I have not had enough. <laughs> Love her with a passion. But, uh, oh, my God, you talk about a hardcore drunk. Oh, and we got married and had two kids. I told you I wasn't going to give you a drunk log, didn't I? You may hear bits and pieces. Why don't I believe in a drunk log, you say? Why don't I believe in that? When I was pretty new in here, and, and I've got to tell you this, first six months in AA, and this is kind of like that blackout drinking, I have not a whole lot of idea what went on. And I went to a couple meetings a day. And I talked to a lot of drunks, but I don't really know what went on. And I'm supposed to tell you what went on when I was drinking? I don't think so. <laughs> the other thing, I went to a, to a meeting one night. Now, this is one of the things I can remember. And they had a lot of them old drunks, you know. I... Oh, I gotta tell you this. I gotta tell you this. I'm, this lady that spoke last night, if you did not hear her, get her tape. That woman offered more hope to the people in AA today than anyone I have heard ever. Imagine that. There's young, like you, for instance. Are you an alcoholic? Well, you're an Al Anon, same difference. You're an alcoholic. <laughs> no. Was there anybody in here that's an alcoholic? Okay. Because I could give you an Al-Anon pitch, you know. When you live with two alcoholic women, believe me, you learn something about Al-Anon. But she said there last night, you know, she came into AA and got sober when she's 19 years old and she's got 26 years of experience. Man alive, if you can't get some hope out of that, you better go out and have another drink. You know, we can't help you. Hell's fire. <coughs> but anyhow, I'm at this meeting. Got these old drunks. Old drunks like when I come in here, they were, oh, God, you know, they got me sober and I love them to death. But their idea of AA was... Uh, Go to meetings, put the plug in the jug. Put the plug in the jug and go to meetings. That's great, you know. Great. That'll get you physically sober, if that's what you want, you know. I could have done that without him. It wasn't my quitter that was broke, it was my starter. But anyhow, I went to this meeting... And here's all these old drunks, you know, and they're telling war stories. And it, it, well, it's like, can you top this? You know, every guy got a little worse. Man, I stole 27 cars, you know. I drank two-fifths of whiskey before breakfast, you know. If you don't know how to drink, go out there and find out. But if you're sitting here this morning... And even if you're like these gals, boy, you guys are so neat. Sitting right there in the... What an honor, sitting right in the front row to listen to an old drunken cowboy. God, that is something else. But uh, if you're connected with alcoholism in any way, shape, or form, you know, whether you're an Alki or an Al-Anon or an Alateen or what you are, you obviously know something about drinking, don't you? Or you wouldn't be here. Say you don't need me to stand up here and say, what you do is you get whiskey. Whiskey and you drink it. <laughs> Great large quantities of it. I did not need to hear that. 
at that meeting, at that drunk log meeting, I almost quit AA. You know, we read it. He read it this morning. Our job, after we get sober in here, I think, is to carry the message. The damn message ain't how to drink. See, I'm opinionated. It says in the 12th step, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message. You read them first 11 steps, and if you can find in there, this is how I drank. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. It talks about things of a spiritual nature, doesn't it? It talks about, number one, and that's even spiritual, that I'm powerless over alcohol. Number two, came to believe in a power. That a power. That's a pet peeve of mine. It doesn't say in, it says that. And then it goes on to make, I make a decision, a spiritual decision, to turn my will and my life over to the care of a power bigger than me. And what is my will? My will is to drink whiskey. Think about drinking whiskey. And what are my actions? They're intolerable. Absolutely intolerable. And I'm supposed to turn all this over to the care and direction of something of a spiritual nature. And then it goes on. I'm supposed to clean up my act. And then I'm supposed to go out and I'm supposed to clean up things with you. And I'm supposed to continue to do that every day. And I'm supposed to try to tell you how you can do that. The message. And it was given to me and I didn't even know it in very, very simple terms by an old man with, well, when he ended up dying, he had over 40 years of continuous time in this program. His name was Edgar Hotelling. He's dead, so I can break his anonymity. He wouldn't mind if I broke it if he was alive. But I remember Edgar, one of the very first times I ever saw him, come up to me and he said, Kid, and you know Edgar was a little older because I'm 44. And he says, Kid, there's something you need to know. Now listen to this. This is it. This is it. You don't ever have to drink again if you don't want to. 30. 30. You see, and that's what I need to know. How in the world do I not drink? I did not need to know how to drink. I was damn good at that. <laughs> I needed to know how do I not drink. How do I live with me and not drink? I didn't really care about living with you. Because you had all left. <laughs> Skeeter talked about the magic of alcohol. I experienced that for a few years. That kind of went out the window. When, when I got here, the only thing alcohol done for me was maintenance. Maintenance. No more, no less. Broad oblivion. That was all. There was no magic anymore. I don't know if there ever was, but but I will tell you something that there is magic in. And that's this deal. This double A thing. You can call it magic, you can call it a miracle, you can call it whatever you want to. But there's something. And I'm going to tell you something. It happened for me this morning. I woke up this morning in that room down there, and it happened again. And it's happened every day for quite a little while now. What was it? I got a gift this morning. I got a gift. And all I had to do was, yeah, I'll take it, 
Then it probably wouldn't hurt, you know. Somebody gives you a gift, say thank you. The power that I believe in, I automatically got this day sober. It's a gift. It's an automatic. It's given. He also gave me something else. I have got a good day today if I don't screw it up. <laughs> now, I believe that. I believe that. I, I kind of believe in the big book. Pretty strongly, as a matter of fact. My wife's supposed to tell me when to stop because I get to wandering around and man alive, I could stand up here and talk for two hours, you know. And you ain't supposed to do that. I don't even know when I started. I don't know why I'm taking that off. Uh, in the big book, it says in chapter 3, I, I'm not a real good quoter. So some of this stuff, you may have to go get your book. And if you don't have a book, somebody give them one. You know, I thought that was pretty neat last night to give that guy with 10 days a big book. I hope he reads it. But in there, it says in, in chapter 3, which is an awful good chapter if you happen to be a drunk, that we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholic. It says that. I remember that. I remember that real well. Because I had to learn that. Now... I'm going to tell you a little, I wish I had time, but I'm going to tell you a little about what happened after I put that half can of Budweiser in the refrigerator and went to my first AA meeting. And what happened was it took me four years to fully concede to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic. So if you're having a little trouble in here this morning, hang around. Don't just get up and run out the door and say it didn't work. It'll work. Just hang around and give it time. Uh, this is without a doubt the slowest moving thing in the world. Uh, something, I, something I found uh, to be true, a couple of things, uh, Life is constantly changing. AA is constantly changing, or what we're doing in AA, I should say. Forgive me for that. AA is what we're doing in it is. Okay? So, what happened a month ago, and, you know, that's a month ago. And what's going to happen a month from now, I don't... You know, John, like, blew me out of the water when he called up a long time ago and said, would you come up here and talk? I thought, my gosh, John, may not be alive, may get drunk. <laughs> Anything could happen. But I got here. But anyhow, I got to tell you how I learned it. And it says we learned it, doesn't it? I come in here like everybody else, you know, we want to fit. Drunks, any drunk you hear wanted to fit. Even these little Alateens, you know, they want to fit. I don't know why we want to fit. I have no idea, but we do. Yeah. Uh, I, all my time at drinking, I wanted to fit. Now that I'm sober, I really don't care whether I fit or not. Uh, I got an old boy. He's dead now. And I learned so much from listening to that guy. And he was Chuck Chamberlain from down in California. And... Uh, Chuck got a thing across to me. And there's another thing it says in that book, and it says it in the doctor's opinion. If you want to look it up and find out if I'm right or wrong, you can. I'd wish you would, in fact. It says we're restless, irritable, and discontented. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody ever been that way? Unless we can again experience a sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. Okay, so i got to find a way, don't I, to be, like Chuck said, live happily, peacefully, 
and comfortably with me. The exact opposite of restless, irritable, and discontented. Exact opposite. See, there I went. I was going to tell you how I fully conceded the innermost alcohol. Maybe it ain't important. Maybe it is. I'll tell you. Four years. What did I do? I went to meetings. I went to a lot of meetings. I strongly recommend going to meetings. I still go, uh, well, I go to about one meeting a week because we only have two. And uh, I kind of, the girls have Tuesday night and they don't smoke and I smoke like a steam engine. So being the really spiritual person that I am, I give them Tuesday night. <laughs> Unless I want to be there. <laughs> Okay, I went to meetings. I went to a lot of meetings. I, uh, I didn't... i tell you something I done. In the course of these meetings, I like to tore the bottom out of a table in Greeley AA room. But I put 365 days together back to back without a drink. To this day, they give me a medallion and they give me a cigarette lighter and I've got them both and they mean more to me than the one that's in my pocket now. I could not believe that could happen. Could not. But it did. But you know, I was not happy, I was not comfortable, I was not peaceful, I was restless, irritable, discontented. That's this, you know. And I was not, uh, there was no love in me. None. Uh, it was, get out of my face, leave me alone, don't bother me. Right almost at the start, a really remarkable lady done something. She, uh, she said, do you know what's wrong with you? Isn't that a wonderful question to ask? A drunk that is still shaking, and I was still shaking. And I, you know, I identif we identify with a lot of things. And I identified with that. I smelled bad, like Gail, you know. Only I didn't change clothes, even Gail. I, I really, you know. <laughs> Melody used to say, would you go take a shower? That didn't help. <laughs> But uh, here I am, you know, I'm, I'm shaking and stinking and, and by legal standards drunk, you know. And all the alcohol did not automatically get out of my system just overnight. They asked me if I wanted to go to detox, and I said, what for? Five days ain't going to nothing, you know. And she done something for me, the most remarkable, most wonderful thing, and I hope somebody does it for you if they haven't done it. She got a copy of the big book, and she read the doctor's opinion to me, and she said, now you know what's wrong with you. I had been blundering around out there in the sagebrush for years. What in the world is wrong with me? Nobody knew. She knew. And she told me. And I felt a certain little bit of hope. At least now I know what's wrong with me. Did you ever try to fix a pickup if you don't know what's the matter with it? Forget it. You ain't going to get it fixed. There ain't no way. And she was going to buy me a big book. Greeley, group number one, which I sobered up in at that time, did not have any big books. They had one copy of the big book, belonged to the group. You know, what do you need a big book for? Put the plug in the jug and go to meetings. <laughs> Don't need a big book. She said, are you going to go to a meeting tomorrow night? And I said, they told me I have to go to one every day. She says, all right, I'll have a guy get you a big book. You're the type of alcohol. Walks up. I suppose you're dick. Yeah. I thought, here we go. And I don't know if I can take him or not. 
And I left my gun in the pickup. <laughs> he says, here. D said I'm supposed to give you this. Give me a book. I still got it. I was going to bring it, show it to you, but I thought, no, nah, that's a little much. <laughs> See, I have to constantly work on my ego. I don't know about you, but I have a terrible problem with my ego. It's terrible. The line in that book says, selfishness, self-centeredness is the root of our... How did they know that? <laughs> and then he, he, he says something, you know, and, and to me it was an insult at the time. He says, I would be glad to read this book with you. I can read. <laughs> I'm getting how I learned to fully concede. Took me a year. Maybe a shade more. Swallow my ego enough to walk down with that book that he had given me in my hand and say, Larry, would you read this book with me, please? <laughs> Every Wednesday night for the next three years, we sat at his kitchen table and we read that book. If you ain't got somebody with a kitchen table and a big book, and you want to get sober, and you want to stay sober, and you want to live okay inside of you, you go find somebody. When you're supposed to give orders, when you're supposed to give directions, when you're supposed to give advice, but hell's fire. <laughs> Do it. Try it at least. It's what they call getting a sponsor. Uh, that was another thing I learned, see. I learned a little about that book. I love that book. I mean, man, it's a fantastic thing. Uh, I had a sponsor. And guess what? After a couple of years, I'm sponsoring people. Now how some of them... Some of them people are still sober. <laughs> I have no idea. You talk about the power of God. <laughs> Man. Anyway, I'm doing all this stuff. And I have one little tiny thing missing. You know, we have a lingo in here. And a babbling idiot in five days could figure it out. You know? And we, and we, we throw the word God around a lot. And I do anymore, you know. It's a short word. <laughs> you should have heard me at one time. When I got up to introduce myself, it took five minutes. You know? And, and God was in there, and, oh, it's ridiculous, sickening, you know. But I didn't have anything going with any God, any power, any anything. I didn't have nothing. didn't have nothing. And way down in here, I wasn't 100% sure that I was drunk. <coughs> Can you imagine what kind of a damn spot that puts you in? Oh, don't get there. Don't get there. It ain't fun. But if it's necessary, get there. And for me, it damn well was necessary. And on 12th of July, 1983 sitting outside of an AA room with my sponsor inside of the room, 61 phone numbers in my shirt pocket, 25 AA members in there. I sat down with my back to that building in that AA parking lot, never so goddamn alone and scared in my life. And I knew something, beyond the shadow of a doubt. 
Ted, it was either do something or get drunk, and I knew that I was not going to get back. I knew that. Now, I had, and I ain't going to bore you with this, but me and God, He lived at the North Pole and I lived at the South. And, and we had been that way for a long, long time. But I believe there was one. Don't misunderstand me. I have ever since I was a little bitty believed that there is something. And God's as good a word as any. If you was born where I was born, the way I was born, I challenge you not to believe there's something. You know, you have to. Uh, just have to. But I, 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 you know, like I say, we're a long ways away. And I remember what I said, and I said, God, if you're up there, and why I said that, I don't know. Why do we always think He's up there? <laughs> you know? I guess because he was at the North Pole and I was at the South or one. I, anyway, that's what it said. And you will notice I qualified it. If. You know, we qualify everything. Always skeptical. If you're up there. You better do something. Or I am going to die drunk. And nothing happened. And I got up, and BJ comes out, and I'm sponsoring BJ. Well, I love him to death, you know. BJ's coming to me for help. <laughs> BJ, take me home. I'm tired. Well, of course I was tired. You sit around in these rooms and fight for four years. And not have a drink to take the pain away? Man, you're tired. You're tired. Yeah, I was tired. And I thought, well, that was kind of a, you know, big deal that was. But I went home. And I went to bed. And I got up the next morning and nothing happened. But I didn't have a drink. I went to work. I'm a working drunk, by the way. I worked all the time I was drinking. I worked all the time I was sober. Now I'm semi-retired. I've worked enough. You know. But I was a working drunk, which caused me a lot of problems. I thought drunks didn't work. <laughs> uh, a lot of us do. takes money to buy whiskey. <laughs> I wandered around there for four or five days, you know. And uh, all of a sudden it dawned on me. You know, spiritual experiences are a really w weird thing, for me at least. Half the time I miss them. <laughs> Greatest one in my life, and I, I totally missed it. took me four or five days to figure out that it had happened. <laughs> and I run down to Larry and I said, Larry, i got to tell you what happened. Oh, he was just, he was elated. He'd been trying for four years to make this happen. Oh, he says, that's great. Now, why did I tell you this? I don't know. I don't know. But you know, from then on, uh, double A has been a ball for me. Life has been remarkably good to me. Just, it's just unreal. Well, if it took that four years to get that to where I am now, that's okay. I don't mind. I don't care. So if you're having a little hell, hang in there. Hang in there. Stick with it. You know? Some of the speakers say, don't leave before the miracle happens. You know? That's a nice thing, you know? Just don't leave. You know? Unless you have to. If you have to, I hope you come back. Now, I will say this, this is kind of a warning, I suppose. If you leave, and I've been around here a day or two, I've seen a lot of people walk out the door, and I haven't seen all that many of them walk back in. 
You might think twice about it. Hang around one more day, you know. You know. Well, here I am. See, I'm lost. That's old age. Old age and alcoholism tore up so many brain cells in me that there's no conceivable way that I can be coherent. Well, once I told Larry about this thing that had happened, uh, and, and, and this is very remarkable because he pointed this out to me. I had to have somebody point it out to me. He said, did you say thank you? No. I have never talked to God about sobriety since that night. Never once. I don't recommend that. I don't say it's something you should do. It's just something I don't do. But every morning, I try to remember, and so far I think I have, to say thank you. Why bother him about something again? <laughs> you know, a lot of times sitting there, I've got this deal. i got to tell you about this. This is my big deal. We got a house, and it's ours, and the banks. But I have a kitchen table, and if you would like to come to that kitchen table, you're more than welcome, and I have a big book, and I have an extra one if you don't have one, and I have a patio window, and I look out that patio window, and my God, it's good. It is good. It ain't very hard to say thank you. You know? Now, what did I say that for? <laughs> you know, I make about as much sense as a three-legged mule. <laughs> I remember one time I spoke at the Greeley Stampede here a few years ago, and people come up afterwards and said, Dick, that was a wonderful, wonderful talk. I got so much out of it. And I thought, my God, I wonder what I said. <laughs> I had to go buy the tape. I thought, I want to hear this. <laughs> okay. So here I am. See, I'm I'm finally got a a little deal going with with a God of my understanding. And and this is nice. This is nice. And I ain't tearing the bottom out from under the table. And I'm starting to live. I'm starting to live. You know, it's awful hard to live when you spend 98% of your time, how am I going to get through the next minute? Takes a lot of the joy out of life. So I'm going along, and then I think, you know, I got to... Okay, thanks, dear. Does that mean 10 minutes? Ooh. I'm supposed to cram 20-some years into 10 minutes? Ah, we'll give it a shot. So I think i got to have something to call this thing that I say thank you to. Now, I'm a backslidden Baptist, and it took me a lot of years before I could stand up here and use this word God. You know, I can use it today. But I will be frank with you. When I'm sitting there at the kitchen table in the morning drinking my coffee, feeling so damn good about life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, I don't say God. I call Him Father. Now, I think you can call Him anything you want. I really do. I, I wouldn't advise calling Him derogatory names. <laughs> But I think you can kind of call him anything you want. I, I got a guy that came into AA same month, almost same day as I did. Oh, you should have saw this guy. He really was bad. He looked like a drunk. <laughs> Damn, yo-yo had pockmarked face, ate yo yogurt. Uh, ah, disgusting. Disgust, drank wine. He was drunk. Uh, he's still sober. Still sober. And he's a damn Buddhist. He's he's wonderful. I seen Paul 
this year at the Stampede. He's pretty gray, <laughs> kind of a belly, you know. When he sobered up, he's washing dishes in Sambo's Cafe. Today, he's a, he's a professor at Ames University. Things get a little better in here, you know, if you hang around. We get to do some really, really, Gail mentioned it, you know, some really, really remarkable things happen. But sometimes it takes a while. That's one of the big things I learned, and I'm going to try to share this with you because I think it's important. During my time, I have found this to be true. That what I believe in, the power that I believe in, never ever looked at a calendar. Has no idea what month it is, what year it is, and I don't think he even cares. And maybe this is why I don't pay any attention to time, because God ain't got a wristwatch. I know that for a fact. <laughs> Because I don't know about you, but God's had me on hold a few times in here. <laughs> Sometimes there's a guy down in Pasadena, California that really needs his help. And I have to wait till he gets around to me. So maybe you're going to go on hold. And that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I had to come up with a name. Things in AA have always just come to me. I never had to go looking for much. And about this time, two things happened. One, of all things, a Baptist minister. And the other thing was a book. And it ain't an AA book. In fact, they never heard of AA, I don't think. It was a book on Indian spirituality. Native American Indian spirituality. And one of the first things I seen in there, in that book, was Indians don't believe like us. We believe everything goes in a straight line. You ever notice that? All white man religion believes in a straight line. Start here, end there. American Indian spirituality believes life goes in a circle. I thought, man, this is great. This is for me. I've been running around circles my entire life. <laughs> I still believe it. I, still, I don't run around in circles anymore, but I still believe life goes in a circle. So I start calling my power the Great Spirit. I believe the Great Spirit is not up there. He's not down there. He's not over there. He's not over there. I believe he is exactly everywhere. And there's a place in the book that I found that tells me one really, really good place he is. And it says, deep down, the last reality, we found that he resides in here within us. I love your theme, Fellowship of the Spirit. My spirit is down in here, and yours is down in there. And God's is all around. So my spirit talks to your spirit and God's spirit is up here over. See, there again, I got him up here. <laughs> He's everywhere. So we have the fellowship of the spirit. And without that, this whole damn thing would blow up and smoke. And I believe that. I believe if you took the spirituality out of the double A, it would die on the vine. But I don't think there's anybody can do that except us. Bill Wilson said the only way we can kill this thing off is from within. But isn't that neat? Here we are. I'm looking on the North Pole, the South Pole, every place. In here. Found it in here. Got to tell you a war story. I got more AA stories than anybody in the world. I tell them to my group. Because I love them, and I'm kind to them, and I tell them my AA story. <laughs> you ought to come to a meeting in Lyman, I'll tell you some. But i got to tell you this one, because it, it, it's, 
it's one of these really weird, there's so many weird stuff goes on in AA that it's incredible, you know. Uh, and I knew this, you know, that, that uh, believe it or not, I, I, I was at one time a little macho. Uh, I got to tell you how I used to come to the noon meeting. I, I was riding pens in a feedlot. And I had to get to the meeting at noon because they told me I could not make it on one meeting a day. I had to go to two, so I would get off my horse, grain him, put him in the barn there, you know, at noon, get in my truck and head for the meeting with my leggings on and my spurs on, and, you know, it's fall and I had a wild drag on, and there's this guy from California. Then I blew him out of the water. He always wanted to take a picture. He says, people in California never believe this. But they, they told me, you know, I had to do that, and I'd done that. But uh, where in the hell was I? <laughs> See what I mean? You, if you wanted a speaker, I don't know why you... Take it up with John. <laughs> Would you please... Maybe I'm supposed to shut up, huh? Oh, I remember. It's about Russ. I'm coming across this AA parking lot. And here's this guy. And I met Russ right away when I first got here. Russ is a great big burly guy. Got a beard at that time. Drove one of these big old He-Man four-wheel drive pickups. Loved to fish, hunt. You know, uh, macho, macho, he-man, you know. Big, burly guy. We're coming across Russ stops. i got to tell you something. I thought, oh, what now? you got to get rid of some of your macho. <laughs> Doesn't God pick some weird messengers? But you know I did, and I still do. And that's whittling away at that ego. There is one thing, and this again comes from Chuck Chamberlain. One thing, one thing only stands between me and you and me and my God, and that is my ego. And I have to keep whittling away at that on a daily basis. Have to. I do not believe you can come in here and you can get this thing and walk out the door and say, Hallelujah. I believe you can come in here. This is another thing come from Chuck Chamberlain. As you can guess, he's kind of my boyhood hero. I met him once the first or second year I was sober and didn't even realize who I was meeting. Didn't even realize who I talked to. But Chuck said that. That is the one thing that stands between me and you and me and my God. And I have to keep whittling away at that. And somebody asked him, because he had been sober forever and ever and ever, and he's very spiritual, very, very spiritual man. And he says, what do you attribute that to? And I really liked his answer. He says, I have been close to and active in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, spirituality does not stop, in my opinion. The only time that my spirituality is going to stop is when my spirit leaves this body and finally gets to meet whoever this great spirit is face to face. And I don't think it's going to die of them. And it may really start to grow then. I have no idea. I want to share one last thing with you because this is something that, that I use. I, I believe John at the Old Timers meeting the other night mentioned Old Timers. And I love them. The only thing is almost all mine have died. But thank God they died sober. You know? So I can remember what they said and think it must have had some bearing because they they didn't have to get drunk. 
But Dr. Bob says something in his story, which is in the big book, and a guy asks him, he says, do you think you'll ever take another drink? And his reply was, as long as I am thinking the way I am thinking now, and as long as I am doing what I am doing now, I don't think I'll ever have to take another drink. Or words to that effect. You'd have to, you know, if you don't have a big book, borrow one, read Dr. Bob's story someplace in there. Uh, or maybe it's not in Dr. Bob's story. Hell, I don't know. It's in one of them stories back there. You know, I ain't going to quote you the big book chapter and verse. If I'd done that, it would take away the fun of you finding it. See, now I know there's at least one person going to go home from this deal. He's going to get his big book and he's going to say, that damn cowboy lied. <laughs> but you know, I made one person open his big book. <laughs> I really want to thank you all for inviting me up here. This is, oh man, it's such an honor. It, it, you don't realize what honor that is. To be asked to come up here and, and share my deal with you, you know. And like I said, all it is, it, it's my thing, you know, and I never have the vaguest idea what's going to, you know. And I don't guess I'm supposed to. I laid up there in the room yesterday afternoon trying to think of lofty, profound, spiritual things to share with you, you know. And I come up with some really brilliant stuff. And the still small voice said, Forget it. Just go down there and open your mouth. And that's what I've tried to do, you know. That's what I've tried to do. Also, got to thank you for another thing and tell you one other thing. I believe there's so much really... I wish I could tell you all the good stuff that has happened to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, and I didn't get it done. And I wanted to. Just take my word for it. I have a really, really good life today. Uh... And I try to be honest, so hopefully you can believe that. But the other thing, and you guys done this for me. I haven't seen my baby sister in 25 years. And because of coming up here, she lives in Billings. Which, by the way, I've done some of my more elaborate drinking in Billings. <laughs> there are people there that could tell you about Dick Bolton's drinking. They have not forgot. But she come over, and, and it's been really, really wonderful to see her again. And you know, you guys and, and the AA, you've done that for me. You've done that. The whole thing, the whole, the whole ball of wax, standing here today, I've outlived my youthfulness by 20 years. And here I am. I'm alive. And I'm walking, and I'm talking, and I'm breathing. And I'm here to share with you. And you're here to share with me. And with that, I am going to say thank you very much.